Football is around the corner, and we are ramping it up over here on the Ringer NFL feed in the month of August. Every week, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you not one, but two extra point takens. That's right. Double the trouble as we predict, debate, and analyze our way through camp and the preseason every Monday and Friday. But that is not all. Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Wednesday. We'll talk about everything in the world of the NFL. And who knows? Maybe Steven will even have something nice to say about your favorite squad. Though, frankly, I wouldn't count on it. Subscribe to The Ringer NFL Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow The Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Ringer NFL. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we go have fun uh, because it's about that time. You know, we are at the Ringer uh, where we talk a lot of sports all the time. And one of the most brilliant people, one of the best individuals to talk college football with, especially, is with us today, but none other than Tiffany Green. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. And I appreciate that rousing introduction. <laughs> no, you deserve it. I mean, look, I, I watch you guys all the time, so this is an honor for me. And my show is kind of unique in that we start our, our show the same way in each episode, having our guests walk us through the arc of their careers. And people see you on ESPN now, but you started, uh, like a lot of journalists, doing a local beat for the Savannah CBS uh, affiliate. Can you walk us through your career arc since finishing from whatever school that was in Tallahassee you went to, uh, to the work that you're doing now? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shots fired within the first couple of minutes. Wait a minute, Bakari. Uh-uh. We're not going to start it like that. Well, I graduated from the illustrious Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University, but really I started as a part-time production assistant and then got my on-air gig in Savannah, Georgia, as you mentioned. Spent about three and a half years there. Go to Orlando, and that was really the transformational time of my career because not only was I doing you know, local news, but I also really got introduced to ESPN in that way. And so I started doing stuff at the ESPN Wire World of Sports, kind of uh, doing play-by-play opportunities here and there. The folks up in Bristol got a chance to see me, got familiar with my work, and uh, brought me on as a sideline reporter, independent contractor situation back in 2012. Um, And then I made that jump uh, to the 
national network. Fox Sports One brought me on for their um, play-by-play opportunity when they started up Big East uh, women's basketball. And that's what I think really shifted my career. And ESPN then said, all right, well, if you can sit in that play-by-play chair, you can sit in ours. And in 2015, they gave me that opportunity to start with Olympic sports. And then I worked my way up uh, to doing college football as well. A hell of a trajectory. Um, But before we start talking about uh, football and HBCU, uh, football in particular, uh, let's talk about the work you're doing supporting FAMS School of Journalism and how important is it to support our various HBCU schools of journalism as a means of diversifying our newsrooms? Well, it's important that you create the pipeline and you have to be able to train um, those young minds, shape them and groom them for that next step. Florida A&M was a pivotal time in my career, the best time of my life. And the School of Journalism and Graphic Communication, known affectionately as J School, um, really gave me every bit of tools that I needed, pushed me, sharpened me. The only thing it didn't teach me was like office politics, but you know nobody can teach you that until you're on the job. So I, I feel like um, you know J School did a tremendous job getting me ready, right, and getting me uh, the foundational tools needed. Um, but also they encouraged you to stand out, right? Like it wasn't just ah oh, yeah, turn these reports and you know get your writing up and make these contacts and read your papers every day. Back when people were doing that. Um, it was really, hey, what can you do to set yourself apart? Um, so I'm grateful that they encouraged me to do that. And we continue, um, as I work on their board of visitors, to um, try to pass that information down um, and really bridge the gap between when you get out of college and let's get that first job and what do we need to do to help you get there. What advice do you have for young journalists who see what you're doing and want to be where you are now? Uh, Try everything, right? So I was a one egg, one basket kind of gal, but I believe that you should expand yourself and be versatile, be able to do a lot of different things. Uh, Robin Roberts, who is my shero, said, dream big, focus small. So um, the idea that you can reach out and try to do a little bit of everything, um, but then key in on those areas where you feel like you are best or get the most out of you. Um, and then also be a great advocate for yourself. It sounds easy to do, but it's not necessarily the easiest thing to do because you have to kind of go through those situations and find out like what you're passionate about, what you're made of, what you're willing to fight for. Um, and so being a great self-advocate is most important. Um, that's what I learned later in my career. And then obviously you hear it all the time, but like networking, like relationships matter. It doesn't matter what field or what industry you're in. Um, relationships are key. And if you're relentless in building those relationships, um, they can prove beneficial for you uh, throughout your career. You know, uh, I want to pivot and talk about one of my favorite topics, which is post-prime era of Black college football. What do you think Coach Sanders' legacy will be with respect to Black college football? I think his legacy is he can't win big games, but whatever. Uh, What do you think his legacy will be? (laughs) Well, I think it's uh, such a mixed bag of reviews, right? I think some of the sting is wearing off. For those who wanted him to stay and do more, I wish he would have stayed and done more, but he did a lot while he was there. Um, and I think it 
broaden the conversation for Black college football and HBCUs as a whole, that people who were not maybe interested paid attention, right? There was a new audience that was gained to what I feel was already a very strong and popular brand. But I think, too, not only elevating that popularity, but opening doors, right? So if you talk to the SWAC commissioner, he'll tell you, well, it was great because he helped bring in some partnerships and additional monies and created um, better relationships for the conference moving forward. So helping them um, from a future perspective. But he came in and also where there was a really good and established brand. There was history already there. There was tradition, you know, already there. Um, and he just sprinkled, you know, his prime magic on it. And, and, and now we're, everybody's talking about the swag at HBCU football in Jackson mm-hmm. State. And that's a good thing. I'm, I'm here for that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he wasn't in Mississippi Valley or Alcorn, although they had their own legacies with Jerry Rice and Steve McNair. But he did come in. Uh, that's a good point to a brand that was already established in Jackson State. But let's talk about one of the teams that owned Prime while he was in Black College Fall, uh, North Carolina Central. They are the defending Black College National Champs, MEAC Champs, and they're actually ranked in the preseason of the FCS Coaches Poll. Talk about the defending MEAC Champs. Do you think they'll repeat as both MEAC and Black College Champs? I think they have a great opportunity to do so. And what was cool was when I talked to Trey Oliver before the start of last season, he was just like, bring it on. Bring it on. I want that smoke. Everyone's talking about, you know, Jackson State and their head coach and all that, but let them see us, the Eagle. And um, North Carolina Central is a complete team, right? Davius Richard, Khalil Baker, your offensive and defensive MVP within the MEAC, respectively. Uh, Trey Oliver going back home and taking over that program. They reload. I mean, outside of maybe an offensive lineman that they lost, which will be key. Um, they pretty much bring most of their team back. Mookie Collier, who had the meanest stiff arm ever, so disrespectful, uh, back in that celebration bowl and that overtime win. Like, they've got the pieces. They've got the tools. And I would be hard-pressed to say who's going to knock off the champs. The MEAC is always up in the air. You don't know, because South Carolina State's the dark horse who also delivered that same blow the year before uh, to Jackson State. Yeah. Uh, for the MEAC. And then, you know, Howard is a program that is emerging. And when you look at the SWAC, everybody's talking about Florida A&M. Is this their year to do it? So uh, right now, the team to beat, the the Eagles have soared high and they are at the top of the mountain. So they're the ones to knock off. And quite honestly, they're going to be really tough to knock off given the fact that they return so much. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians 
who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. You know, last year we had a team that returned so much in Orangeburg, South Carolina, and my South Carolina State Bulldogs, and they just kind of fell flat. But shout out to Shaq. I saw Shaq playing some really good uh, NFL preseason football down at the New Orleans Saints. But you saw some offseason changes in their staff. Is there anything that gives you hope that maybe they can compete? In the, and they actually beat Central last year. Yeah, that was that, like their that was the one loss, game. right. <laughs> and and yeah, quite was... honestly, they still had like a shot. Like had they gone off and won and ran the table, they would have been the MEAC champs. And I think when I talked to Buddy Pugh um, at Media Day, you know, he mentioned, look, everybody came in off that high expecting us to do. And we just didn't necessarily um, have the juice to pull it through because we were segmented parts, right? They feel like they bring back more of a team. And even though they lose some big pieces in Shaq Davis and BJ Davis, Corey Fields coming back, a better leader. Patrick Gobble, I really like that dude on defense. Um, you can never sleep on a buddy to pew coach team, right? He is a coaching legend. He is in the in the state of South Carolina. I mean, no name goes further than Buddy Pugh. I'm so well-liked. And in college football, one of the dean of coaches um, that's still active. So you can never sleep on his teams because defensively, they're always going to be solid. And offensively, they're going to always do enough uh, to make it happen. But with the new OCDC, uh, the, the OC comes back from the Malcolm Long years when they had that nice run of MEAC championships and yep. playoff appearances in the FCS. So yeah, South Carolina State, they're pick number three in the preseason. I could see them finishing at one or two. Let's talk about the SWAT. I don't see anybody beating uh, Coach Simmons and FAMU this year. But if you're looking at FAMU's schedule, what games do you have circled? And not that's not Jackson State. Or is that the <laughs> well, only one I was going to say, like, that is the game. Southern, uh, that game in September, it's later in September, um, they face off against the Jaguars, who are the SWAC West champions. So that's always a great rivalry. I remember it from when I was in school. It was renewed a few years back. Um, and Southern is always going to put up points on you. Like, you know, Eric Dooley, that's what he does. But he's also brought along a defense um, with him. So I think that would be the biggest challenger. My dark horse out of the SWAC would be Texas Southern, right? Andrew Body is probably, I know, I know. Hear me out, right? <laughs> they have amassed more wins 
last year than they did like in the previous, I don't know, seven years. But they got the second best quarterback. Arguably, though, he could go neck and neck with Jeremy Musa, the FAMU signal caller. So I think Texas Southern on the rise. Southern is your most imminent threat. And, um, you know, Jackson State, they're back-to-back swag champs. They feel disrespected, but they got a lot of turnovers. So there's a feeling out of Tallahassee that FAMU should be in Atlanta at the end of the year. Yeah. I I know that when we talk about Power 5 football, the talk is about realignment, NILs, and the transfer portal. But how do you see these forces playing out amongst HBCU football teams and conferences? Um, You know, initially I thought NILs could be really good in helping to level the playing field a little bit for HBCUs because of our natural creativity as a people and being able to just kind of bench around and allowing um, folks to know who some of these great student athletes are. Um, I don't know that there is a a real direct impact or an overflow or trickle-down effect that HBCUs um, will experience. I just hope more NIL money comes their way um, and that more attention continues to be paid to their program. And and it's so interesting because, like, you look at the MEAC, right? The MEAC was on the verge of where the Pac-12 finds themselves. And the MEAC uh, reinforced that they're small but mighty. Okay, small but mighty. And now they're in the position where they're looking to potentially add where you see the Pac-12, which was gutted. Um, So I I think HBCUs will will be just fine. Let's let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute, because you saw you saw the swag grow with the addition of of Bethune, Cookman and Fam. But we've also seen schools like Hampton and Ante leave the MEAC. First of all, I never thought Ante would leave the MEAC, but that's another story. Do you see the SWAC adding schools like Tennessee State? And what is the future of the MEAC? Um, I do see Tennessee State coming on to either the SWAC or the MEAC. The SWAC makes more sense, you know, um, geographically. But I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Right. But I wouldn't be surprised if the MEAC, um, you know, sweeps them up. I think that... Um, the MEAC will look to add and is in the process of, of courting and, and strongly interested in other schools coming on. And I could see in the next year or two, them beefing up to maybe, you know, from six to eight. Um, so that's that's very possible. The SWAC, on the other hand, I think they're going to stay put. Like they're 12 teams, they're 12, they're solid, they're strong, they're, they're balanced. Um, so I think they like where they are right now. Looking at the SIAC, I'm a little sad that my Morehouse Maroon Tigers are picked last. Boy, we... I got a new head coach. We're just, we just looking forward to basketball season at this point. <laughs> but I am happy with the incredible work in Columbia, South Carolina, and Benedict and Coach mm-hmm. Barry. Can mm-hmm. anyone stop Benedict? And what if I told you I believe that Benedict is the best football team in college football, and they were probably equal to or better than Jackson State or Central last year? That's that's a strong statement. Um, they, they their played, defense was the their defense was the best thing I've I've I haven't seen a HBCU defense that good ever. Yeah, well, that, they were strong. I would th- th- there were some others that I would say would rival it. I really like that Lubert Dentalist kid um, up front. Coach Barry has done a phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. 
would venture to say that Jackson State's defense, and you could even put Florida A&M's defense in there as the top defenses, and North Carolina Central may have something to say. They're pretty sound, too, um, just from past season. But I love the work that Trinisberry has done. And I don't see anybody dethroning Benedict anytime soon. They're going to run the table for a minute. For as long as he's there and he continues to bring in, because he's like a gas tank recruiter, right? Bring everybody in from the area. Palmetto State is loaded with talent and all around. They're in a great location. Yeah, they're going to run the table for a minute. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, Jackson State and FAM had individual players that made be head and shoulders above everybody at Benedict. The land kid, you know, the other defensive back from fam you know a few kids from jackson state but as a whole that benedict defense was just phenomenal i mean they they did it week in and week out i'm not i'm, I'm not saying they're not but like jackson state had the number one defense in fcs <laughs> just statistically wise they can they can say that they were the volunteer defense of hbc i hear you i hear you well how can people follow you because i'm gonna revisit this i believe that north carolina central or South Carolina State will meet FAM in Atlanta. And I think that the MEAC will win for the third year in a row, um, the Celebration Bowl. I wouldn't be surprised if it's South Carolina State going back and doing it again. And, and, and Buddy riding off into the sunset after another Celebration Bowl victory. But we will revisit this. How can people follow you and see you and all the good things? Yeah, um, so at Tiffany A. Green, Green with an E on Twitter, T Green 34 over on Instagram and can't wait for the MEAC Swag Challenge kickoff on ABC uh, August 26th between um, the 2021 Celebration Bowl champion South Carolina State Bulldogs and a rematch against the Tigers of Jackson State at the time, defending Swag Champ. So I can't wait to hear how your analysis plays out and watch it. And let's talk again for sure because uh, this season is definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, I got South Carolina State first game of the season. I'll be there. It's at Georgia State. I got South Carolina State winning by two by two touchdowns over over whatever they got in Mississippi down there. Ooh, so. <laughs> so he, he bringing he bringing that Palmetto State flair. Okay, winning. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Anyway, thank you so much, Tiffany. I know. It's, thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you later in the season. Thank you. Likewise.